you know, when you know your teammates are pulling for you and you know guys believe in you in that clubhouse, no matter if you're, you know, 10 for your last 10 or 0 for your last 10, like there's there's a confidence and a, and a and a belief in each other that like really, I mean, we saw it last year, you know, like our team should have never been where we were, you know, like if you look at everything at the beginning of the year, um, you know, we were supposed to win like, you know, 70 something games, whatever it was. And like we had no business being at the top of that division, but we had a lot of guys who believed in each other. We had a lot of guys who, you know, obviously we have a ton of talent too. Don't get me wrong, but you know, we, we, we had a, a ton of belief and we had a ton of fun. And that really, um, I think is, is kind of the different differentiating factor between teams that have a lot of talent and don't succeed in teams that have, you know, talent and really kind of take it to the next level. Uh, tell me what happened last night. Just get right to the right to the bitter punch here, uh, Coach Chad Chop. What was going on with you last night? Man, uh, you know, first uh, my first official high school practice is head coach, Pushridge Christian Academy. Pretty cool. You're the head coach of a baseball team. I'm the head coach of a program. Isn't that awesome? Pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's. It's amazing. So uh, Tim O'Donohue was my head coach in, in high school, Coach Jennings, Greg Jennings after Tim O'Donohue. Um, yeah, Mike Bear is a mentor. Dave Roberts is a mentor. And uh, I'm going to be leaning on, uh, on my former coaches and trying to just emulate them. They were amazing. So um, I'm just thankful. It's cool. What a cool um, kind of broken road you've had that, that has led you to this, this spot you're at now. Um, you know, uh, playing uh baseball at a very high level and then uh being a fireman and doing some you know uh, off and on coaching while you're being a fireman then you get a job with the giants and you have tutelage from sean dunston and and bochi and the likes and then you go uh to the dodgers and you've got dave roberts and um and now it's led you to here you're you're a high school baseball coach and you're changing lives, brother. Pretty awesome. And uh, it's one of those things where my, my main focus is making sure the kids know that I love and love them and I care about them and I'm there for them and I'm available. So uh, that's, that's my main focus. We'll get to the baseball IQ. We'll get to all that stuff. And these kids have a very high baseball IQ. I was very impressed yesterday with our first practice going through just, we did walkthroughs of like cuts and relays and double cuts and they were on it. I was impressed. Um, but more importantly, they got to know that their coach loves them and cares about them. And I'm here for them. That takes the pressure off of you, man. Uh, right. Oh, when, man. when, when you're looking through that lens, uh, well, well then let's just make sure they, they know I care and I'm going to be there for them on a bad day after a, after a D minus on their test, um, or their girlfriend breaks up with them. I'm there to talk and, yeah. and just, you know, be a, be an uncle or a big brother or whatever, uh, is going to make them feel comfortable in that moment. And, and, oh yeah, the baseball IQ and the wins and the losses that'll come, but, uh, Hey, that's the message of this podcast. And who do we have on today, brother? Got a, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. Uh, I just want to channel my inner coach ball game. That's my goal. You say be a come big on. brother, be a big uncle. Like I want to be coach ball game to him. Um, but yeah, today we have a true professional. This guy is a pro through and through. Evan Longoria is on the show today. Longo, Longo in the house. Longo in the house. Does everybody just call him Longo in the clubhouse? I mean, I call him Longo. Uh, he's Longo in my phone. Yeah. So I go, I go with Longo. Um, but I mean, like I said, he's a professional, man. He's, he's good at everything he does. And he tries to, like, he, he is intentional with everything that he does. You know, if he's playing cards on the plane, you better be there and you better be present or else he's going to wax you. If he's opening a bottle of wine, you know, he's doing it the right way and letting it aerate. And uh, yeah, he's, um, I think that's the right term, but yeah, he's. That definitely is. Uh, I, I used to love, uh, you know, being a waiter for 10 years and knowing nothing about wine, uh, but, uh, but throwing out words like earthy tones yes. and, and supple. And, Oof. and anytime somebody asks me, hey, what's your favorite wine? I, I don't drink wine, but I didn't say that. I just sure. said, oh, uh, I'm going to go with this one uh, yeah. because of the earthy tones and the supple nature. Mm. Um, 
and, and, you know, then make up a few words and then boom, you know, hopefully you get a good tip, but, uh, I couldn't even ago, open the bottle of wine. Coach no. ball game. I couldn't. So I would, I would flirt with my coworkers and then I would say, Hey, you know, table 23, I gotta, I gotta do something real quick with table 23. They need a, can you go get that bottle of wine and open it for them? And they would do it all for me. And I would thank them. And yeah, I never open a bottle of wine. I, I still That's amazing. can't do it. Yeah. I would just use my charm. I didn't know you were a waiter as well. Oh I yeah. Tom, I worked at Lone Star Steakhouse uh, Saloon. And then I also worked, that's in Tustin, uh, right by where you do a lot of your sandlots. And then I also worked at Tommy Bahamas in Newport beach. They have like a compound. So uh, yeah. So I work in the restaurant there too. You should have named this podcast two waiters talking baseball. Not a, not a bad, not a bad. Uh, that'll be our next venture. I can't tell you how, <laughs> how, how often I think of myself as, as a waiter. I'm just yeah. a waiter. And, sure. you know, I happen to coach baseball, but it, 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 it puts me in a nice humble spot. And, uh, and I tell everybody, Hey, I think you should wait tables at least once in your life, just to, just to get perspective and, and get a sense of work ethic. You tapped into something with Longo about his, his, it sounded like a grinder mentality, a competitor, I grew up in Downey received zero scholarships out of high school zip. Uh, so he went to community college and I want to talk to him about that kind of transformation from uh, from from community college to, you know, uh, being humbled uh, with no scholarships uh, to getting a shot at Long Beach State and absolutely thriving. Um, very similar to Hunter Pence, who, who started in a, a JUCO or community college um, uh, forum and then just jumped in full board what, what do you know about Longo what did you learn from him with your with your time with him work ethic uh top notch uh he's intentional with his work and I want to come back to what Hunter said when he said and I'm paraphrasing if you never quit you can't be stopped right so here's a guy so Longo who uh you know nobody nobody was offering him a scholarship but he just kept putting that right foot after the left and you know <laughs> we know we, everyone knows him now, you know what I mean? But if he hadn't had that focus and that drive and that conviction, that belief in himself, when no one else believed, and we talk about this, where you have to believe in yourself and your mind before anyone else ever does. Well, he never lost that, that faith in himself. And he kept working and grinding and prove a coach wrong. You know, if they say you can't do it, don't prove him right. Keep fighting, never quit. You can't be stopped. Longer. And then, and, and, and it, you know, it's, it seemed like it happened almost overnight where he, he put on 50, 60 pounds of muscle and he goes from no scholarships to one of the best players uh, in Southern California. And then third overall pick in 06 with the Rays and, you know, baseball America's calling him the best pure hitter in the draft. Um, I mean, how much time did you spend with him there uh, in San Francisco? We, we played a lot of cribbage, me and Longo. We were, we were cribbage was our, uh, that was our, our time spent. And then obviously I was dealing cards on the plane. So, yeah. um, but I mean, you see his work, he's putting in his work and he's, like I said, he's just a pro. Like he's always, it feels like he's always doing the right thing. He's always doing it the right way in a professional manner. So uh, obviously I, I met him further on in his career. He'd already been this proven superstar. But um, you can see why he's a superstar based on how he carries himself and his presence. You know, when he walks into a room or a clubhouse, he walked into that San Francisco Giants clubhouse with a lot of these, you know, great superstars. And he's a superstar among superstars, you know, so it's, it's pretty cool. He's really excited to have him on just to get it just to get a glimpse of his mind, you know, and I want I want these kids and these coaches and these parents to hear uh just Longo's approach on, on everything, man. He's a pro true. Yeah, pro. Seems like he's got an ease about his, his leadership and, you know, the kind of guy you, you, you'd want to have him put your arm around, you know, put your arm around me and show me the ropes here uh, at Longo. Cause it, it just seems like it, it, there's no pressure when you're around him. It's, it's an ease kind of a presence, which, which I dig. And uh, I don't have my guitar behind me. If you're watching on YouTube, I got my conga because the dude's a drummer and I can't wait to, to chat a little bit about, uh, about drumming. Cause I hear he had a, a drum kit set up at Tropicana um, uh, a la Paul O'Neill at, at Yankee stadium. So um, I'm going to geek out on drums and, 
Yeah, talking with one of the best that played the game, three-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, Gold Gloves, Silver Sluggers, hit for the cycle, and oh, yes, we will be doing some trivia, uh, bearded one. So get ready, some Evan Longoria trivia coming your way. Longo, I think uh, slow pulse, you know, one of these guys that uh, – and I have that question for him, like how is he able to slow the game down in big moments? But, you know, as a teammate, as a fan, as a coach, you want him at the plate you know, in those big moments as an opponent, you wish you could put him on or, or not see him coming up. Cause you know, he's going to do big things. And uh, he's just a stud, man. True pro. Is it teachable? Is that slow pulse teachable? I, I want to ask anybody. I noticed like a Javier Lopez, that question, uh, or was it just natural? You know, Sean Dunstan, he, he was, he was more uh, frenetic, you know, as, as we discussed last week um, and, and he kind of, wished he had that that slower heartbeat and could calm things down and slow things down um so uh looking forward to it uh before we we get to him and i think he's here i think he's, he's here. here he's so, a pro of course so he's on time. I, i'm gonna i'm gonna tease i'm gonna tease this uh this golf trip i had uh it's it's every year three days and it's um 24 guys go to the desert and just we just rock and roll we play golf and we emulate the Ryder Cup. Um, so so I'll tease that because uh, there's some connections to what we've been talking about on the podcast about, uh, you know, preparation and, and getting ready for big moments and high leverage situations. I'm going to throw a curveball today. I'm going to have Coach Ballgame introduce our next guest. I have written down on my, my whiteboard. He's a true pro, but I'd like to give out his accolades. Coach Ballgame, hit it. <laughs> oh, snap. This is going to be lit. Folks, I got the uh, I got the drum in the background, not the guitar, because he's a drummer, uh, a, a just nasty drummer to be exact. Uh, they they call him Longo, uh, three time All Star, Rookie of the Year in two thousand eight, three Gold Gloves, two Silver Sluggers, hit for the cycle in twenty seventeen, which um, makes me want to be a better father. He's just one of the best baseball players to ever play. But what I love about him is he's handsome. And he seems like he's got this ease about him that just uh, it, it makes me want to be his little brother, even though I'm older than him. Uh, it's Evan Longoria. Nice to meet you, brother. Thanks for coming. <laughs> nice to meet you too. That was uh, one of the better intros that I've that I've ever gotten. So, uh, and it, many, it, was, it was it was going all over the place. I didn't I didn't know where you were going to end up. So uh, that that's the here. key. If I don't know where I'm going, then the audience member can't know where I'm going. So that's yeah. kind of the, that's the secret. And that's how I coach. I coach kids for a living and I have no idea what I'm going to say at any moment. And that keeps them on their toes. And that's what, uh, you know, I learned that in dance class uh, in college chopper Dan, you know, it, it, you just, you got to keep surprising the audience member. You got to or yeah. ad lib. Yeah. What, what did you have written chopper on your board about our guest? Yeah, uh, two words, uh, kept it short, uh, true pro. He's a professional, uh, Longo, I mean, a presence. When he walks in, I talked about you walked into that clubhouse in San Francisco, and there's a superstar among superstars. There's a lot of personalities in that clubhouse, but Longo has a presence about him um, that actually puts other people at ease, and you know he's going to be ready, prepared. Uh, huge fan of Longo. Yeah, big yeah. fan of you. Well, thank you, guys, and thanks for having me on. Um, Maybe we can get to some easier questions so I don't have to talk about myself anymore. <laughs> we did all that before you came on. Chopper, lead us off, brother. All right, I got a question for you, Longo. Uh, what do you like most about baseball? We ask a lot of our guests this question. Um, go for it. Hit us. Um, I, I, I think what drew me to baseball, obviously, early on was the, um, the competitiveness of it. Um, the uh the ever-changing nature of the game like you, you you know you can never it's it's truly a game that you will never perfect you know you're, you're always um searching for something else you know trying to get better I mean there's obviously if you're a position player there's a lot of different areas that you got to work on um you know a little bit different than pitching obviously you know pitching I'm sure that it, it's got its its areas but you know you're not just towing the slab every day you know you got to worry about playing in the field you got to worry about hitting um, the swing all, all of those different things so I think um, you know me being a kid um, early like 
I, I was, my mind is super busy. So I think I was just drawn to like trying to, you know, harness and corral all these different skill sets and, and figure out a way to, to do it well. I love that. And uh, what I talk to my high school kids about is falling, falling in love with the grind. And kind of that's the essence of kind of what you said is that there's a lot that goes into it. And there's a lot of failure too. But yeah. for you, it's that competitiveness and just, just falling in love with the grind. Uh, I love that. You, you cleaned up some, some stuff with your swing. I don't know what you did, but like early last year and even the previous year, it was like, dude, because your swing's always great, but it looked better than great if that's a thing. Um, so I know, so that speaks to you grinding. You know what I mean? Like you're never satisfied and you're always working. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, to be fair, I mean, some of that is coaching too, you know, the, the evolution of, of the, the way that I've been taught to swing the bat. Um, and, and I think a lot of it is, is age versus um, process, you know, like as I've gotten older, like my process has changed and like, I've um, tried to figure out ways to where I can get the most out of like a shorter you know, a shorter work time, um, just working more efficiently and like, uh, you know, kudos to the coaches like, you know, Justin Veely, um, you know, Dustin uh, and Donnie uh, Ecker, you know, really kind of just looking biomechanically at like what my body has done well over the course of my career and like, how can we get, you know, how can we simplify that and get uh, back to a place where I can, I can make those moves efficiently. And so, um, you know, sometimes it's, uh, it's just a different perspective. It's a different set of eyes that can, that can help you, um, you know, figure out some things that you knew, you knew were in there, but um, you know, sometimes you just lose them when you're trying to do other things, you're trying to figure out other things. Coach ball game. I love it. It's like Tiger Woods. I mean, no, he just, you know, he, he's had three different swing changes after winning multiple majors and you just have to keep evolving and, and kind of diving into your story. It's pretty fun to see the grind that, I mean, you've uh, a lot of people probably didn't know about. I didn't really know about it till I researched early this morning, but I mean, coming out of high school, zero scholarships, if I'm uh, reading this correctly and, you know, you had a sniff at USC, but that didn't uh, pan out. So uh, going to community college uh, out of high school, I kind of want to dissect that a little bit. Like what, what is 18 year old Evan Longoria thinking? Um, uh, did you have thoughts of hanging it up or was it, was it within you to just grind uh, until you're signed? <laughs> um. You know, I, I think that that was uh, the good thing about the, you know, the time that I, I was playing um, was, or maybe it was just me mentally, you know, where I was at mentally, but I, I didn't, I never thought about any of that. Like, I never thought, um, you know, oh man, I'm not getting any offers. Like, you know, maybe I'm just not a good enough baseball player, you know, whatever. Like I, at the time, thankfully, um, I was in such a great, you know, mental state, I guess, that I, I was more focused on just playing the game, you know, having fun, going out and, um, you know, like you guys have talked about, enjoying the process. When I went to, um, when I went from high school to, to uh, junior college, I, <clears throat> I was playing at a different high school and one of my, my best friends, still one of my best friends to this day, um, Adam Lands, and he uh, was playing baseball in high school at a different high school and we just decided at that time that again just having fun you know thinking about the process thinking about how I can keep playing the game you know we both decided to go to um, Rio Hondo Junior College and I had a couple of opportunities to go play at some bigger junior colleges I could have gone to like you know Long Beach City or Cypress or you know Santa Ana some of these bigger like um junior colleges that were local to me in LA um but he he had an opportunity to play at Rio Hondo too and so I just was like you know whatever like it, it's not a this isn't this isn't the ultimate you know goal like I'm not trying to just play baseball at Rio Hondo but I looked at it as a, as a stepping stone for me um we went there and and had an amazing you know amazing time playing ball together for that that uh summer and and it was just it was just a fun experience I think that really like opened my eyes to like what playing with like good friends could be like and like how I mean we we grinded there man like we I remember we had this this hill 
Uh, there was a fire academy right next door to Rio Hondo. We had this hill that uh, we'd run, like we'd run up and down for conditioning. And we had all these like quirky things that we did. Uh, Mike Salazar, who's the head coach there still, um, kind of turned that program around with us and what he did there. And um, I, I think it, it, it taught us work ethic. It taught us, you know, how to, how to enjoy being baseball players. And, and there was a lot that, uh, that I learned coming out of that program. Amazing. And then it, I mean, reading about it, it seems like it happened overnight where you gain 50 pounds of muscle and you know, your MVP in the Cape and you know, your third overall pick uh, in the MLB draft. Uh, but I know it didn't happen overnight. Like for that, that 18 year old um, that, that is grinding um, you know, uh, what's something you can tell them that, that, uh, that didn't happen overnight for you um, that they can take with them? I mean, I think the best thing about baseball is the fact that there's no, you know, there's no cookie cutter way to get there, you know, and, and there's no, there's no, um, you know, prototypical body type. You know, you look around the league and there's guys that are, you know, five foot six to six foot six. And there's guys that are fast. There's guys that are fast twitch. There's guys that are, you know, slugs like me and, and you know, can just kind of uh, get by with, with, with certain, you know, skill sets and attributes that they, they work really hard on. And I think that um, as we move forward in the CBA, hopefully we are moving forward. I think that uh, we will see a, a universal DH at some point. So, you know, that kind of changes the game for, for some other players as well that maybe aren't as good in the field or, um, you know, just don't have those, those skill sets. But um, baseball is, is, there's such a wide variety of players that can make it to the big leagues that, um, I mean, really the, the, the only thing that I ever, I ever think about or I ever thought about or I ever tell kids is like, you know, just don't quit. Like it's literally a battle of attrition, you know, like the, the people that want it the most will make it there, you know, and, and I've seen so many players who were more physically gifted than me, you know, fall by the wayside just because they, they don't have the desire to work, you know, as long or as hard as, as somebody else. Love it. Hunter Pence said it. what did he say last week, Chopper? If you don't quit, you can't be stopped. If you yeah. never quit, you can't be stopped. 100%. I mean, Hunter, Hunter is the king of the, the pump-up <laughs> speech and the one-liner. I mean, the guy is an unbelievable orator. So, uh, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that he uh, gave you guys a couple of special quotes. Yeah. So you talk about, uh, you know, body types, right? And like it's 5'6 it's six to 6'6. Six, six, and there's that variability in, in body types. What there is no variability or the one constant is a belief in yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like you, you never lost that belief. So what we're trying to instill in these kids that are listening to this podcast is believe in yourself. And even if no one else around you believes, like have conviction and unwavering belief in your ability. And uh, yeah. you have to have that. And you had that and still have it. Uh, next very, question. It's, Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's just, it's just very hard, obviously, because it's a game of failure, you know, and it's, um, it's, it's like a, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg type scenario where it's like, do you need to have success to believe in yourself or can you believe in yourself without having any success, you know, and does that lead to future success? So, um, you know, that's, that's, it's, a, it's obviously a tough, a tough point for, for younger kids who don't understand that. Yeah. I, uh, the, one of my core values for the high school here is a trust and it's trust, commitment and love. And it's a trust in the process. So yep. you may not get those results right away. And Hunter said that he talked about results are crippling, yep. um, but it's that trust in the process and your coach and your teammates and yourself. And uh, you may not see it right away, but if you don't quit, uh, yep. we got, we got action. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Beautiful. Uh, question I have is, and Adam sounds like that's one of your close friends. So it doesn't have to be necessarily in the big leagues, but yeah. your teammate Mount Rushmore, that's four faces and you can do some honorable mentions and you play with a lot of great players. So. You four faces. Yeah, give me four yeah, I, if you can. You, you sent me the questions before, and I didn't look at them. So maybe if I would have <laughs> looked at that one, then I would have uh, I would have had This a, had is a, always the toughest for everyone. It be, is. Because it's hard to narrow that down. Yeah. I think so probably number one is David Price. And, and I guess there's no, like, real true order to it. You know, just if I'm picking four people, um, David Price um, – Probably, probably BJ Upton as well. Um, 
you know, the two guys that I, I played probably the longest with there in Tampa um, and had probably, you know, kind of the most impact on me um, in terms of like my young development as a, as a major leaguer. Uh, actually, yeah, I mean, it's really hard. Like the, there was two veterans and two young guys. So it was obviously Cliff Floyd and Eric Kinski who were the veteran guys yeah. there my first year. And then David and BJ were like my, you know, my close companions. So we'll put the, the two veteran guys in the, uh, in the honorable mentions category and David and BJ were like, you know, we were in the, we were in the streets every day, you know? So that yeah. was kind of, those were the guys. Um, and then two from, from San Francisco would be Buster and, and Brandon uh, Crawford. And, you know, just because Brandon, I, I've played the longest next to him. Um, you know, he's had the most impact on me. Um, I think just in terms of like watching a guy who just like grinds every day, who's, you know, an all-star um, just the, the best shortstop I've ever played with the best infielder. I think I've ever played with um, knowledge of the game, like love of the game. Like, you know, you've been around crawl. Like he's just like, he's um he's a, a true pro like I watch him some days when like I don't you know I don't take a whole lot of ground balls on the field and he's out there every day taking ground balls and so it's like there's no surprise why he's so good um and there should be no surprise why he's you know up there on the, on that list for me in terms of teammates I love that uh love crowd you know that about me yeah. uh love love David Price DP you want to talk about a true pro and I and I didn't know him I just saw him from afar and then when he came to the Dodgers I was blown away. Like I, yeah. I always saw him as like, okay, dude, those hard, you know, those are by <laughs> guys. And then I watched him throw a bullpen and I'm like, yeah, he's putting this on a Nats behind every pitch and he's maniacal. Yeah. And uh, yeah. what a great dude. He treats everyone. Yeah, like it's, they're, it's not, that's, that's what I love about David is I, I think he treats, you know, he treats everybody the same, but he also like, he, he pulls harder for you know yes. for every, all of his teammates pitchers hitters you know bench players starters like he's he's uh just an unbelievable teammate um and i think that that always will get a guy up on the list you know if a guy's like rooting for everybody he so coach ballgame in longo you may or may not know this he he volunteered he's like hey we got a lot of studs i'll go to the pen so here's this stud who's like i'll go to the bullpen it's all good and he's in full spikes from the first pitch of the game with his glove ready to catch home runs in the bullpen at Dodger Stadium, like pulling for his teammates. Longo, it's yeah. you know that doesn't no, surprise he, you. It's amazing. Yeah, he's he's great. He's great. Good, great Mountain Rushmore coach ball game. Yeah, I mean, you talk about it all the time on this podcast. Like you got the five tools, you got the uh, the nasty slider, but it's that intangible or that that character quality that keeps coming up like th that's the person you want in the clubhouse that's the person you want um you know going and having a glass of milk with you during a slump like uh just that that guy you can have um yeah sp speak to that quality that that word character that keeps coming up Evan uh you know what yeah. uh, what does that mean for a young player I mean, I think it's, it's, it's literally everything because, you know, you can, you could, I, I, I believe you could win championships with 25 or well, 26 guys now that are, you know, middle of the road ball players but high character guys, because, you know, if you have a group of just like prima donna guys who like will not pull for each other, um, you know, only care about their own personal statistics, um, it's really hard to like mesh as a bunch, you know, and like when you're not pulling for your teammates, like it's, it's really, um, to me, there's really no fun in the game, you know, like it's because, because, especially because there is so much failure, you know, like you're, you're, you're going to fail a ton. And if you, if you feel all alone out there and you feel like nobody else is pulling for you, like it's, it's a dark, like downward path. If you're just like alone on that, you know, and like, you know, when you know your teammates are pulling for you and you know guys believe in you in that clubhouse, no matter if you're, you know, 10 for your last 10 or 0 for your last 10, like there's there's a confidence and a, and a and a belief in each other that like really, I mean, we saw it last year, you know, like our team should have never been where we were, you know, like if you look at everything at the beginning of the year, um, 
you know, we were supposed to win like, you know, 70 something games, whatever it was. And like, we had no business being at the top of that division, but we had a lot of guys who believed in each other. We had a lot of guys who, you know, obviously we have a ton of talent too. Don't get me wrong, but you know, we, we, we had a, a ton of belief and we had a ton of fun. And that really, um, I think is, is kind of the different differentiating factor between teams that have a lot of talent and don't succeed in teams that have, you know, talent and really kind of take it to the next level. Yeah. That was one of my questions is, is, you know, what, why were you so good last year? And you yeah. answered it, you know, you just yeah. have, you had that, uh, that, that intangible thing, that, that belief in each other, and, you know, the Dodgers are winning game after game down the stretch, and you guys are winning game after game right on top of them. It was fun to watch. Uh, yeah. Chopper, you were in the Dodgers clubhouse. I mean, what did it feel like for you guys? Unique situation for me because I have so much love for those guys in that Giants clubhouse, and I was really proud of them. Like, that was the crazy thing is, like, this, like, proud, like, because I know it, it, that that culture – is set from the coaching staff, but then it's set from the leaders and the elders and Longo and Craw and Belt and Buster. And like, I mean, I have so much love for these guys that uh, I was in a pretty cool spot, you know, because it was like, yeah, we wanted to win the division, but I was blown away. I'm like, holy cow, they found a way to win. And that is having conviction. They believed yeah. in each other and y'all had so much fun and talking to Tyra, you know, and you guys are coming to town and you a little bit too. And it's just like, this is so cool to watch from afar because no one had yeah. them pegged. Um, yeah. like no one, you can't measure heart and you can't measure just chemistry. It was cool. Yeah. There was a lot of times where we were like, man, how are we doing this? You know, <laughs> but like you, you start to like look around and you realize like, yeah, we've got a lot of dudes who have a lot of talent, but there's a ton of belief here too. You know? Yeah, yeah no doubt. And like the Duggars, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, guys like Lamont, Lamont you know, guys yeah. like like Tyro Estrada, you know, just guys yeah. like stepping in and and making an impact. You know, Dubon, you know, just big situations like where we, it was like, well, if if you know anybody comes up, like we feel like they could get the big hit, you know, or they could you know steal a base here or whatever it was like that we needed at the time. Like we felt like we had guys that could could do it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, question I have for you: uh, Who had a positive influence on you and your youth besides your parents? like a coach, teacher? Um, probably the biggest, I mean, impact on me uh, in terms of my baseball career was um, my Mike Weathers, the head coach at Long Beach State when I was there. Um, you know, that that's not to obviously minimize any of the, the interactions that I had um, along the way. But I think just in terms of like, kind of like, narrowing my focus on the game and like understanding that like as if I if I really wanted to like move forward um and like be the best player the best version of myself as a player that I could be um I needed to do it this way like he was the guy I mean and and he was really hard on me um and and you know not not like to the point where he would just like rocket ground balls at my shins but like I think more mentally, he, he would, he, he was on me, you know, kind of every day. And I, and I saw it my first year with, uh, with Troy Tulowitzki there, and he was kind of the same way with him. You know, he, he was on him every day about, you know, just kind of perfection. You know, he wanted it, he wanted us to do everything perfect. And we would stay there until, you know, we had, we didn't have lights. So there, until there was barely any light out um, on the practice fields, if we did it right, we'd, we'd leave on time, you know, but we rarely ever did it right. You know, whether it was, you know, cutoff throws or the defensive plays, you know, getting bunts down, whatever it was like, um, he kind of taught me that it wasn't going to be easy, you know, that, that there was going to be some work that was involved to like figure out how to be good at this game. And especially at the higher levels, how consistency is really the only key. Like if you can do something consistently, you will, you will have a chance to advance much quicker, um, you know, than, than really any kind of like hot streak, you know, like if you, I feel like professional scouts, like that's what they see the most is like, oh, this guy, like maybe he doesn't like light the world up for two months, but like he hits 270 or he fields every ground ball. Like he makes every like little thing look easy and he does it every time. Like that's like the most important thing. I feel like, especially when, when I look at teammates now in the big leagues and I'm like, 
do I want this guy to, you know, get a ground ball when it's, you know, six to six in the bottom of the ninth or whatever, seven, six, and we're up and it's a rocket. Like, can he make that play every time? Like, yeah, like that's the guy you want. And that's the difference from minor leaguers and major leaguers, right? Minor leaguers have the talent. They just don't have the consistency. Yeah. And that's all, that's all it is. Yeah. I love that. He taught you how, how to fall in love with the grind. Yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. I mean, we, we, we grinded there. So yeah, he, uh, (laughs) you had no choice, but to love it. I love that coach. Paul. The key is you were ready to handle that type of um, whatever you want to call pressure or um, you know, that firm hand. I think a lot of times little league coaches, they, they stress perfection on their eight-year-olds. And, and I think it's apples to oranges for me personally, like um, when you're trying to win a game, when you're eight, uh, you you know, the kid in the flannel shirt and blue jeans, they're going to walk away from baseball and never play again, you know? So um, maybe just speak to that. Like, uh, is there a difference between, between little league and, you know, when it really matters in college? Well, the answer is yes, for sure. Um, But I think that that's part of the reason why he was able to get so much out of me. And I think, you know, also one of the reasons why I, if I ever talk to anybody about, you know, kids, young, young coaches, kids, whoever it is like about the game, it's like, the game should be fun. Like the game should never stop being fun. You know, when it stops being fun, you know, that's when like, you know, I'm kind of, you, you, I'm starting to approach that now where it's like, you know, the amount of work that it takes to get ready to play the game, like at times it's not fun, you know? And so it should be fun always. Like I've enjoyed like every day of work in my whole career, like going to work, you know, being with the guys, the grind of like getting to the cage, you know, taking my swings, whatever, like that's always been fun. And so um, with kids, as soon as it becomes not fun, then that's when, like you said, they walk away, you know, they, it, it's just not something that they want to do anymore. So I think coaches that are able to find that happy medium where it's like, you know, you go to practice and you're accomplishing things and you're, you're getting kids to understand the, the rules of the game and like the basic mechanics of the game, but they're also having a good time. Like, I, I think that that's when the team gets better. That's when the players get better. But Uh, Yeah, I mean, if I would have had like, thankfully, my dad wasn't like that, you know, thankfully, I didn't have coaches that were like that, but like, at age eight, sure, he was on me, you know, sure, he was like, yeah, like, that's not the way you do it. Or, you know, you run left around the bases or whatever it was, but like, um, you know, if he would have been like, just wearing me out from like a super early age, like, I, I know kids like that, like who are in the big leagues that have made it to the big leagues that are like, they hate baseball. They're like, God, my dad was just like rode me, you know, or whoever it was. Like I had coaches that, you know, just taught me that it, the game wasn't fun. And like, I'm like so thankful that I had coaches early on that, you know, allowed me to like be myself, be a kid and like enjoy it and also get better at the game. That's good. Yeah. My best friend, he was pushed to be a major leaguer when he was eight. And then when he, <laughs> he got, when it, when he became the starting third baseman at UNC, he just wanted to be a kid, you know, he, yeah. it just kind of it worked backwards. So I, yeah. I saw that firsthand and that really drove me down the road. I'm at, um, I, I want to switch topics here, chopper. Uh, if we say we one, do, yeah. I'll say one thing on that real quick. Uh, and we said this early, early in the podcast, uh, as coaches, your intensity will not fuel your player's passion, right? Your intensity yeah. will not fuel their passion. These kids are going to love this game and they're going to have that passion and that drive don't ruin it by being super intense when they're young, like yeah. make sure they fall in love with the game. Longo, you talked about loving the game with your buddy, Adam at Rio Hondo. And, and that love probably took you through to where you were willing to grind at Long Beach state. Cause you had this, you were ingrained with this love of the game, you know? Yeah. I think, I think what is most important to understand is that what you're doing right now, those kids are there to play baseball. Like they're, they know what they're in for. Like if you're coaching an eight year old, they're learning to love the game of baseball. They're not learning to play the game. Like you're, you should be teaching them to enjoy being out there with their teammates and their friends. And like my, I have a, I have a two nephews. Um, both of them love baseball. Uh, one, they're like five or six years apart. One is 10 or like, I can't remember their, their birthdays are in January. So they just turned, I think 11 and six um, short story, but the 11 year old is they're both good ball players, but like, I look at them 
And I can see a mental difference in both of them. Like the 11 year old is, has been playing since he was five or six, but he doesn't, I don't see that he loves the game. You know, I see that he's okay at it, but he plays it for the social aspect of it. He likes being around his friends. You know, he likes doing that. The five-year-old has been pl playing in the dirt since he was like three with his younger brother at the ball fields. And he's a baller. Like yeah. you can just see a difference, you know, where he's like, he's probably not going to need to be taught to love the game. He's going to be the kid that is going to, you're going to be tough on, you know, that you can like really push because you know, he can take it, you know, and you know, he already loves the game. Sounds and like that job. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like your boy when we were out there, you know, it's like you can get on him because you know, it's yeah. not going to push him away from the game. Totally. Yeah. That's the yeah. first thing you got to look for as a youth coach is, is, you know, what playing field are they on? That's why I give each kid a nickname. I, I get to know each one uh, and, and find out their personality and where they play, what, what their um, love is for the game. And then, you know, give them a nickname based on that. And then I know, okay, I can push this one or I just need to, this, this kid just needs to be here. They, you know, they, they just need to be around others. So that's awesome. That's, that's, that's a huge soundbite for me. Yeah. Um, before I hit a, a trivia question, before we let him go, Chopper, anything else? Uh, I had one more question. Uh, and I think Longo can answer this fairly quickly. Uh, but what tools do you use to slow the game down in big moments? We talk about breathing a lot on here. Uh, but what's, what's a couple tools? Because you're really good in those big moments. I talk about I always want you at the plate. Um, I mean, I think that like really, you know, without like using the cliche stuff, like the, the, especially as you get like to the higher levels, like there's so much information out there. And I think just like, for me, like trying to have as much of that as I can, but like as much, uh, as much that I'm able to process too, like, you know, sometimes people are not like able to process all of those things. And then it means nothing, you know, like if you have all this information, but you can't like think through it in the moment then it's kind of irrelevant. So um, I try to like, you know, think about like really singularly one thing, like what am I really looking to do here? You know, can I, can I laser focus in on just one thing, you know, because most of the time, if you, if you are unsuccessful in an, you know, a big situation, a big at bad, you make an error in the field, like, most of the time you think back and you're like, man, I had like way too many things going through my head there, you know? And like, it's, I think that the ability to like really singularly focus on one thing is like what really good players do. You know, they're able to like, just have that focus on one thing. Love it. Love it. Single and positive. Well, uh, Longo, yeah. you need, if you, you need to go, we'll get you out of here now. It's 24 right now. You got to get out of here. I'm getting ready to go to my yoga class today. So get out of here. Boy. We appreciate you. <laughs> we'll have you on again. Hey, we'll have you on again if that's all right. Of course. Of I course. I appreciate you, man. Have a great day. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you guys. That was awesome. See you, dude. Peace. <laughs> Longo, man. I mean, what that's a good. pro. He's yeah, there's uh, a couple of different sound bites there. I'll be uh, popping on uh, uh, social media for sure. Uh, you could tell he's got a passion about coaching i could see him maybe going into coaching uh or, or or something like that down the road just how well spoken he is on the different kind of pockets of baseball there are depending on age groups and skill levels great communicator and you're right knowing your audience so it's half of the equation to have the knowledge but then it's the other half of how do you communicate it who do you communicate it to and when do you communicate it so yeah i mean true pro I mean, he showed up a minute early. We got him out of here a minute early, just uh, out of respect for his proness, which is probably not a word, but it, if it were, he would be the picture to define proness. Being absolutely pro. well, you know, <laughs> I, I over prepared and didn't get to a lot of it, so we'll, we'll have to have him back on for sure. He'll come I back. Talk about. Uh, we'll talk about his drumming at Tropicana. Um, you know, I want him to give me some dad advice. He's got uh, three kids now. Um, you know, had some pepper questions, but there was some good trivia. And, and here's a good one that involves your world, Chopper. Uh, he hit for the cycle August 1st, 2017. He became the first player ever to hit for the cycle while having one of his hits, dot, dot, dot. Can you finish that sentence? Being uh, overturned by a challenge. 
Ah, how'd you know that? I guess because you said you you gave me a clue as a good co-host. You gave me originally called out uh, on a double in the ninth, Mm. and then it gets reviewed, and he's safe, and he gets the cycle. I love it. First time that ever happened. That's awesome. How cool is that? That's incredible. Um, I'm sure he remembers that. It's his only cycle. Also in 2008, he was the first uh, to hit two postseason. Uh, at bat bombs his first two postseason at bats were bombs so cool Uh, right when you sniff the the uh the big stage you hit two bombs who's the only other guy to do that and it was his hitting coach in durham for the durham bulls uh my hint for you there um this guy did it in 1987 for the twins and he had a lot of luscious arm hair dan gladden I'll give you one more hint. Dan Gladden had some good arm hair. Um, uh, it, he he was uh, king of the no ear flap helmet. Man, on the Twins. Twins, 87. His first two postseason at-bats were also home runs. Was he a lucky? I'm sure some of the listeners are uh, righty. Uh, also it. a great third baseman. Oh, uh, Gary Gaetti. Correct. Let's Gary go. Gaetti. And he was his hitting coach for the Durham Bulls. That's pretty cool. So cool. So we'll, we'll have him back on. Uh, I've got a laundry list of, of trivia. He owned CC Sabathia, famous for that. Like um, when you go down the list of uh, most hits for Evan Longoria, most plate appearances, yeah. most RBIs, it's Sabathia all the way. Wow. Um, uh, except for home runs. Uh, any guesses on who he hit the most home runs off of? Someone in the AL East, I would imagine. Yep. Uh, probably a lefty, I would imagine. Might not be, but I would imagine a lefty. He hit both sides well. Um, can you give me the initials of the pitcher? Will that give it away? Deal. Uh, he hit nine bombs off a guy with the initials CT. Gosh, that didn't didn't really help. Like I hoped it Baltimore would. Baltimore Oriole pitcher Chris Tillman. Chris Tillman, who's from he went to uh, he went to Fountain Valley High School, which is where my brother coaches. Chris no Tillman. way yes found valley wow. orange county there you go um what count does he have the most home runs oh and oh who struck him out the most this is a this is a future hall of famer yeah any guesses there the AL one east. guy that got that owned him al east righty with a good slider i would imagine probably through hard too can i get the initials for fun surprisingly all those attributes are incorrect Oh, okay. Um, uh, but he's lefty, got the same, soft lefty. Same initials as me. Okay. J L. J L. Jeremy. I don't know. John Lester. Johnny L. Faced John Lester. I faced him. He oh, wasn't the same pitcher. He wasn't the same pitcher. I faced him when he was coming up uh, in the Boston organization, and uh, he was a little. He was a little bit more erratic back then. He was still learning his command. He didn't have that cutter yet. But uh, really good two seam, but he would miss he would miss up with it quite a bit. Um, obviously, an incredible talent. But I was you know twenty two and he was out of high school, so it really wasn't fair. Um, but face John Lester, face Cole Hamels, yeah, uh, did. face Scott Casimir. So these are all these lefties that I faced as a left handed hitter. And uh, yeah, Johnny Lester, you knew he's going to be really good. And then obviously he got that command and that cutter uh, that really set him apart. Uh, but mm-hmm. a competitor. John Lester. Love it, dude. Love it. Well, um, I, just to put a button on Longo, man, the intangibles that the Giants had last year of, of working together as a team and um, love how he unpacked that a little bit. Uh, I'll let you close up shop on him. I mean, he, yeah, <clears throat> being in that division against them, right? And you're just like, you really, you really believed in our clubhouse. Obviously, it was just like, Hey, just stay the course, control what we can control. And then that last month of the season, this is unsustainable success is what it was seen from the outside, right? But then you start seeing it and realizing that there's just no quitting these guys. And uh, it's that chemistry, it's that conviction, that belief. And it goes from like, how are they doing it? Almost to like a respect of like, man, they're doing it. You know what I mean? And it was going to come down to, we knew we'd have to go into San Francisco with them having home field advantage. And we were going to have to find a way 
to, to slay the giant, no pun intended, but they were this true giant of chemistry and love and belief. And, uh, you know, I talked to their, their head clubby, uh, Brad Grimes, who I love. What a great dude. And we should have him on here. We will one of these days. Uh, uh, just a pro at his profession. He's, he's incredible. I'd love uh, Alex, to unpack that job. Alex Torres with the Dodgers, too, is equally as professional and awesome. Um, but Brad talked about like, we knew it was our year. And then when we beat them, it was almost disbelief. They couldn't believe it. Cause they it is like everything through their belief and their process and their love in each other, everything kind of went their way. And then when we beat him, it was just like, no, that wasn't how it was supposed to be. So that's how difficult it was. They were truly a team of destiny. And like Hunter talks about, they had so many guys believing the right things and professing the right things and there's power in that, a tremendous power. And uh, it took everything that we had to beat them. And, uh, you know, and then we go down 2-0 to Atlanta. Maybe that was something, had something to do with how much it took yeah. to beat the Giants. Nothing yeah. to, not to take away from Atlanta. They're World Series champions, and they're great. And they got Jock Peterson on that team, who we got to have on this podcast, too. Yes, um, please. And, yes. Uh, Freddie Freeman and all those studs over there. Come on, and, uh, bring Ron, them on. Ron Washington, who instills this just work ethic that I do his drills every day with our infielders. And uh, Wash is just a pro. So you talk about not, not being complacent. Those guys are out there in the LCS putting in their early work, grinding, trying to get over the hump. Uh, and, they, and they did it. So kudos to the Braves. Uh, Well-deserved World Series champions. So good, man. Uh, on deck for the podcast. Uh, who we got? We got Ian Kinsler next Can't week. Can't wait. Can't wait to talk to him about uh, all things baseball. He's he's forgotten more baseball than than I yes. know. Um, so there's Ian Kinsler, and then uh, uh, pitcher right now. Uh, he doesn't know wh where he's going to be playing, uh, what team he's going to be with, but uh, he he throws absolute cheddar cheese gas. Daniel Bard. Um, so I want to chat with him about just the the uh, present day affairs of baseball and, and uh, things of that nature. And then batting third uh, uh, will be, uh, uh, he needs no introduction, Albert Pujols. So I've heard of him. I've heard of that. I've heard, heard of that about last that guy. Week. Yeah. I heard of all these guys, Daniel Bard. I'm really excited to talk about uh, just the mental side of things, yeah. right? Cause he, he had that, he had that spell where he couldn't throw some strikes and he left the game, probably fell out of love with the game. And then that love seeped back in and, uh, and I think he was a mental skills coach, right? So, so he learned all these tools and then now he's using them. And you want to talk about a piece, you know, a late inning closer, huge oh. piece of a bullpen. Like, man, this dude is just nasty. We had Blake Trinan on. He's torn from the same cloth. Nasty. Same thing. And, and Bard, you know, he just, he likes our podcast. He listens. He, pretty cool. he wanted to be on, uh, on the lineup. So um, we're dialed in there and we'll keep them coming uh, as hopefully spring training begins. I did tease something before we close. Uh, it, it was the big Ryder cup that me and yeah. 23 guys go on. And Talk man, I can't tell you how many quotes we used from the Hunter Pence episode in our group text thread. Uh, we're team Europe, 12 guys. We, we had won two in a row and, uh, and five of seven going into this year, trying to get the three P and th there were, there were quotes of results will cripple you. And uh, if you don't quit, you can't be stopped. And all these great quotes for you know, one-liners. And um, it, I think it, it helped us. We dominated once again, uh, each day we had more and more points and me on a personal level, I used a lot of these, um, these things we've been talking about on this podcast in preparation for, you know, I'm always, I've always been a seven, eight handicap solid, you know, one of the lower a players. Uh, and I was able to step it up a notch, you know, uh, just, just falling in love with the process and, and the process of, of how difficult this game is. Right. And golf, it's just as difficult as baseball, especially as a hitter, you know, it's a game of failure. Um, it, it, the, the best of the best, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, they're like, you're never perfect in this game. There's always something going on, a swing change, uh, something. So uh, golf is so multifaceted. You can have the driver going, you can have the three wood going, but then, you know, the putter fails you or vice versa. So um, just falling in love with that process uh, of getting better. It, it, it helped me. And, you know, I, I didn't turn into a scratch golfer overnight or anything but you know definitely improvements 
golf. Uh, congrats, coach. That's awesome. Uh, I had a buddy I played with yesterday who was a former pro. And uh, so it was really cool. And he gave me, talked about like what Longo said about a singular focus. He said one thing around hole 14. He goes, do you mind if I give you a little bit of advice? And I said, oh, I'd love advice. That's, that'd be great. And he said, uh, just be mindful of your tempo. So, and singular, and that was it. And he said, you would, anytime you get a little quick with your upper half, obviously I'm no longer connected and, and then snap yeah. comes into play. So uh, yeah. from hole 14 on, uh, I was either one under or even par. Uh, and, and my driver, all of a sudden, I had this little baby draw right down the middle. And, yeah. uh, you know, my irons, irons were clean and I was striking them pure and didn't help my putter. Uh, but uh, everything else got really good, really quick. And it was just because I had a singular focus about tempo. So pretty cool. Tempo. That's a big one for me, too. And, and, and I don't really remember ever thinking that word as a hitter in baseball. Like no. you're not you're not thinking tempo. You know, you're, you're seeing ball, you're reacting to ball, you're trying to be quick to ball. So uh, that's something I've had to work on a lot. Just just staying smooth um, and, and connected. That, that's a word uh, I, I tried to think of, you know, one or two words over the ball. And, and one was pure and one was mm. um, uh, connected or tight. I, I can get loose and, you know, all this stuff yeah. that you don't want to do in baseball or golf. But if you can just stay connected, um, then the core muscles are doing all the work and uh, it it works for a hitter like Evan Longoria. It works for a golfer um, uh, like a Justin uh, Thomas or a Jordan Spieth. It, it can work for anybody. So uh, really fun. Uh, I also just recommend finding three days out of the year uh, with your buddies and, and go, go play a competitive, you know, match in golf or, or just go do something fun, go climb some mountains, uh, you know, camp out, definitely spiritual. I left my phone, in the car, I always do. Whenever I go golfing, uh, I leave my phone in the car, and it's uh, I try to walk as much as I can, and and just stay away from 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 the rest of the world. So it's pretty good. Good advice for coaches too. Uh, anytime you can get your group off the field to come together and do something fun, if it's a golf outing, if they're obviously a little bit older, if it's community service, if it's you know pulling weeds in a neighbor's yard, serving others. Anytime you can do that. First of all, it's the right thing to do, right? To love your neighbor. But second of all, too, you get that bond and it gets tighter than you could ever get it on the field. And then all of a sudden, so many coaches are like, oh, I don't want to miss a day at practice. But you'll see how many times over that will make you a better club by coming together and spending that time and that fellowship and just building that love and that bond that you have with your friends. And uh, yeah, as coaches, like that's that's a tool that we don't use enough. Uh, you know, do some community service together. Go go volunteer at a food bank, uh, you know, go, uh, go help a family that needs some help. Maybe your parents can donate a few bucks and you can go bless a family around Christmas time that, uh, you know, that isn't as fortunate as we are. So I'm excited to I guess see it's what Rake, right? head coach chopper is going to do with his team, you know, yeah. to build some camaraderie. That'd be pretty cool. Something I'm doing this week on the final week of Sandlot. Hey, I'm dressing up like old man Wrigley. So I've got a mm. onesie and a big beard mm. um, just to, just to really explore the space. But also uh, at the end of every Sandlot season, uh, we bring each kid up one at a time and, and we, we have, uh, you know, the team say nice things about them. What'd you learn about this kid? Maybe it was week one, maybe it was week four, maybe it was today, something that made you say, oh, snap, he's lit and I want to be a, a better person because of him. And uh, boy, that's a great way to spend 10, 20 minutes with your team, um, just leaning into positive reinforcement and and you know being vulnerable a lot of kids they don't want to raise their hand and say a compliment about somebody else you know so it uh it shows the importance in that it's good and it opens their eyes to start looking for those things uh we started that as well there's this training that uh my athletic director Lonnie Traverti who's awesome uh he's having a suit it's called uh 3d coaching or three-dimensional coaching and one of the things they talk about it's called spotlighting and it's exactly what you just said where at the end of a practice, you bring up one of your players and everyone else talks about everything they bring to the field outside of baseball. So I brought up Brody Young the other day, and uh, you should have heard what his teammates had to say about him. High energy, prepared, you know, uh, the, my favorite one, they, and they had probably seven, eight, nine different things to say, but my very favorite one that was said is he's a good friend. And it blew me away. You know, I got emotional, you know, and it's just like, 
is there a higher praise that you can hear from your peers? And, uh, and it's just cool. And Troy Massey, we did him the day before. And when they were done saying nice things about Troy, I asked Troy, I said, how'd that feel, Troy? And he's like, it felt good, coach. You know, yeah. so it's like, it's just building that love. And of course you do that coach ball game because you're the, you're the best. And, uh, you know, I just learned that and we're, we're, we're doing that and we're going to run with that as well. So I love, I love when, you know, when a batter is up to bat and, and I say, who can cheer the loudest for so-and-so, whatever their nickname is. And then you start to hear these chants of this, this kid's nickname. Uh, and, and I just look at the kid and I say, they're cheering for you, yeah. you know, and, so cool. and, so and, powerful. and, you know, a lot of times the kid will be like, Hmm. Yeah. All right. It's kind of nice. <laughs> I love it. They relax Easy. a little bit and then they get to, you know, being awesome is a full-time job. So fun, that. man. Don't well, forget hey, to rake. Don't forget to rake, rake everybody. Man. This was really fun. It was. Uh, keep, uh, keep listening, keep telling uh, other people about it and, and we'll keep dishing them out because it, it's life-giving for us. That's for sure. hundred percent. You're the best buddy. Have a great week. Atta boy. See ya.